welcome to the Self-Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Sitt, and today we have a really wonderful guest. Her name is Eva Vipre, and she's joining the podcast to talk about her experiences with Virginia Satir's work and also to share about her personal hero's journey. Uh, Eva is the director of the International Virginia Satir Institute of Germany, and we connected through a Satir Global Community Zoom call and also through the help of my co-host, Sharon Lotion. Um, Eva started off her career actually not anywhere near the therapy or the change world. She started in the business world, working uh, on her MBA and um, connected to her family business. But uh, her authentic self and a lot of different parts of her personality, uh, it seems her desire to learn, to be creative, brought her to other spaces and adventures. So now her work focuses on using Virginia Satir's work and a variety of other models for coaching for individuals, businesses, and she offers a variety of trainings and workshops around the world. In our conversation and in, in a private conversation I had with her before this interview, I found Eva to be a very creative, passionate, brave, and loving person. She has a bright smile that uh, brightens up every room, even though it's through Skype. Um, I'm finding that I'm, as I'm connecting to more people um, and having a chance to learn together and from them, this chance to share ideas and to grow uh, is reflective of a lot of what I've appreciated about Virginia Satir. Something in Eva really resonated with me uh, when we first met in the Zoom call. She's very genuine and her passion for working with people really shines through and hopefully shines through in this interview. She has a lot of curiosity and positivity and uh, a lot of interest in things uh, that push her edge of learning and growth. More to uh, Eva's background, her journey is pretty wide ranging and rich and it includes becoming a master trainer in a model called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And her training in that uh, model led her to studying hypnosystemic uh, approaches, which integrates Milton Erickson's work and Virginia Satir's work. She also studied closely uh, with Stephen Gilgan, and she works with him as well, who was one of the primary students of Milton Erickson, uh, who is the father of hyp uh, hypnotherapy. And this approach is called generative trance and coaching. She's also uh, trained as a dancer and a, and a ballet dancer in her earlier life. And she uses dance and movement as a way of facilitating the therapy or the change process. So without further ado, why don't we begin with the interview? Um, we start talking um, and we're engaged in a conversation where Eva's sharing about her connection to Virginia to Satir, what the attraction was, uh, what uh, what light sort of lit up in her and how that process began. So let's begin and carry on with the conversation between myself and Eva. So you are introduced to NLP. You real, you learned that Erickson, Eric, Milton Erickson and Virginia Satir were the ones that the creators of NLP, they were studying those two. Yeah. And then you were doing this Ericksonian and Fritz Perls and you were actually, and you were, and you were studying and you were doing this Ericksonian exercise and then just just spontaneously you you unconsciously decided hey let me embody Virginia Satir is that right is that 
Is that how? And then, then your study. No, of that was a. I pretty thought. No, I, I really, really wanted to dig into the family systems work. I knew that from the get-go, um, first day studying NLP, I knew, oh, Virginia Satir was one of the bases. This is where I want to go. I just heard the name, and it lit a fire in me, and I just knew this is where I want to okay. move towards. So, I just need to find the right track, really get to the people that have not right. just so, tools, understanding, but also the spirit. Right. Really so I'd obvious. like to understand. I'd like to understand the fire because I think that's a really, it's a really unique thing when somebody. Because I had this similar kind of experience, just reading some small forward that she wrote in a book, and it lit something inside of me that I thought, oh my god, this, there's something here that I need to look yeah. into. So I want, I want to understand that aha yeah. moment for you. What, what was exactly going on, and what was it about something that you connected to with her that resonated? Oh, you know, one of my beloved teacher, Judith Deloja, who is also an NLP developer, um, she talked about a personal encounter she had with Virginia Satir because as she was working, um, um, she was writing a book with uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And at the time they're working the book together, um, she was living on the property where Judith Deloja was also living. And she said, I just met this, Judy is a pretty small woman, she's very petite, and she said, um, you know, I had this encounter with Virginia, and she was just this love, I mean, everything was connection and love, and she was like Mother Earth, and she gave me a big hug, and <laughs> she's very big, she's very tall, and so I kind of landed right into her breast, and I felt like, oh my God, I'm back with Mama. <laughs> so I had heard this very humorous story, and knowing that there's this Mother Earth and um, that there, there's this brilliant, um, you know, highly intelligent person that figured out the really universal patterning about what's happening in family systems. And I realized there were so many universal things happening in my family that we didn't figure out. But I, I felt, oh, if we had some support, like a Virginia support, maybe, you know, there would have been other potential. So I think my love for my family and my love for, you know, making things good and right, what, you really, what your intention is and, and mm. the feeling for the pain that happens in families um, really kind of resonated with me hearing the story about Virginia. And that was more a personal story, right? right. And then I heard the first sentences I heard from her were the five freedoms and they were just, words that deeply touched me right and then right. I realized oh the, the other thing the third thing I heard that she was saying at the age of five um she wanted to become a detective on families yes yes and that's actually a term I have used myself I always called myself a detective in my own family like the one mm -hmm. who's kind of sniffing and figuring out the things that were not talked about or you know kind of hidden and that actually really was the, the place where I'm like, oh, my God, she's really speaking right into my soul. Right. So maybe we can rewind back because when you first started talking about the context of the family business and how you and your father had different uh, views of things, what do sure. you think was, as, as a family detective, is that, is that similarity you had with Virginia Satir, what was the specific puzzle or problem that life was challenging you to answer that then Virginia Satir was a clue uh, for you. So 
maybe can you phrase it as like uh, maybe a question or a problem that life was posing to you? Yeah, you know, I was I was digging in and trying to figure out what's the problem with me. You know, as I was I was as I was trying to figure out things in our company, I was over searching how am I the problem? What's the problem in me? Right. And um, as I connected with the field work, I really changed perspective to it's not me that's the problem. It's not my dad who's the problem. You know, it's not the company that's the problem. It's the interactional space mm. of many players that are there and absent. I, I, at some point, I realized my my grandfather, who was the founder twice of the company, who's dead, who was dead, who was dead, who I actually never met, and you know he died two years before I was born. But sometimes the absent people are part of the whole, sure. you know, systemic yeah. um, weaving of influences, and that perspective really shifted something for me from self-blame, self-hate. Um, self, um, you know, putting myself really down. What were you, what were you blaming yourself for, Eva? I was were... blaming myself for not getting it right. I was blaming myself for not being good enough. I was blaming myself for not understanding it clear, for not maybe being clever enough. There was a lot of clever you know, enough to what? To make the business successful? To what? What was the goal? To understand what the person that I love the most is really wanting from me. Okay. It felt like talking different languages. It really so you like between you and your father, you were missing each other. And... I think we were totally missing each other. We really okay. wanted to make it work, and we were like totally missing it. Like I wanted, I presented things, and I didn't get validated for that. And I, okay. I tried so much because I was very people oriented, and my dad is very task um, oriented. So we're basically speaking very different languages. Mm -hmm. So when it wasn't working, the first thing that happened is you blamed yourself. I did. I did totally blame myself. I totally said, um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it right. I, I may not have the right preparation. I, I may be in the wrong field, um, you know, not, not having, you know, studied enough. I, I need to, you know, maybe work on myself a little bit more. I mean, there was a lot about not enough or okay. maybe too much. There were, I think there was also a lot about I may be too much for him or okay. for us. So yeah, the the too much and not enough. Too much, yeah. What what do you mean by too much? You may be too much for him. Too much opinion, too much um, self opinion. You know, too much. Okay. Oh, we could go this way, and and I would like to invite these people so we get a fuller picture. You know, I guess I guess I felt I was bringing too many different ideas in that weren't part of a conversation before, not part of a. You know, every company. Has rituals every company has a certain language every company has a certain way of doing things and i i open to different types of conversations different different types of rituals different different types of ideas and yeah. i felt maybe that is a little bit too much well what what you're describing with the company is you know and and virginia talked about systems as systems so whether it's a family or whether it's a business there are the implicit rules, the family rules, or the cultural rules that dictate what you can or can't do. Yeah. And it sounds like what you were, you were sort of boxed in by a certain, you were feeling the walls, but you didn't yeah. know what, what they were called or how to cope with them. Um, 
could you could you talk about what what it did for you to learn about Virginia's work? You mentioned the five freedoms. What what happened to your uh, energy or to your sense of well being as you started to learn about Virginia's work in the in the face of this conflict with your with the family business and trying to fit in? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it was almost like I was. Um, I guess I was kind of in two worlds. You know, I was in the company world. I my self esteem level went actually down a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would say progressively to a lower level. And um, so I did not, my sense of self-worth was very diminished um, at some point. And in the, but, you know, learning about the tears work and learning about that work, I felt like, oh, here is, um, here are new ideas. I, you know, I can, I understand this. This is making sense to me. Here's something that I would like to introduce. I would like to bring also um to our system but i i was also hitting um you know challenges of not right now not here and this is not a good moment or something like okay. that okay okay it was almost like i had to put you know i had to split into worlds here's this and i this speaks my language but here is where i'm trying to fit in and i can't bridge it right so when you tried to bring it into the family business it was being rejected or there was a resistance to it. Yeah, I think there was a certain threat, you know, my, you know, I think the, 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 the yeah, the system felt threatened by okay. it. And what I realized too is that what happened was a certain split, you know, some people oriented towards me and they were getting, you know, some messages of how we could talk about certain things and how we could, you know, figure out certain things that had kind of like an open door policy. So if, you know, people, things were not right, I would have an open ear and say, okay, let's really sit down and figure this out. I really want to get to the source of things. And I want to get the details that are involved in all of this. Some of the processes were long. And, and then there was a lot of feedback that that was not necessarily wanted for others. So now we have a conflict. Do I tilt towards this person or this person? And I realized I am through my presence, creating a conflict and a disorientation, a chaos that I really don't want to create because I really wanted something good for the company, something good for my dad and for every employee involved. Um, so that was the least thing I wanted. And I felt really um, devastated about it. I felt really um, hurt and devastated and um, like a big failure. So that's when you made the decision to leave the family business? Yeah, I was actually, in this whole process, I was also getting really sick. I was, my energy level was getting low. Um, I, um, I actually developed about um, 30 years ago in my teenage years, which is kind of the typical time when that gets triggered. I, I developed a chronic disease, which is called colitis. Mm -hmm. And the, the symptoms in this phase was massive. I also um, had um, in this in, in this time. I also had cancer, had um, cervix cancer. So I had I got a lot of calls from the universe saying, yeah. on the physical level, what you're doing right now is not quite right. And um, in this process of healing, um, there is no way to go. To put it in Joseph Campbell words. Joseph Campbell used uh, um, a, a really beautiful term which says, sometimes you climb the ladder all the way up to the very top, 
to, to reach, you know, your very best. And I did professionally in, in terms of with clients and some of our employees, I actually got a lot of respect and a lot of good feedback and, you know, mm-hmm. some accomplishments. So ter- sometimes you climb all the way the ladder up to realize that you, you po- that you place the ladder against the wrong wall. Right. And I realized at this point, I think I placed my ladder against the wrong wall. I don't know what I'm here to do. And and so it's kind of a epiphany, like poof. Wow, what I thought I was always supposed to do. Um, I don't think I can continue doing that. Right. And um, I, I think I think within your, your hero's journey, I wonder if it's accurate to say that the wall that you put the ladder against initially was roles, um, sort of ego desires from the family that you're yeah. growing up with. And yeah. which is different from maybe your authentic self. Absolutely. I wanted to make my family happy. I wanted to move this business successful in the third generation. I wanted to continue a dream, a vision of a grandfather I haven't even met. So I found mm-hmm. there was a lot of myths. There was right. a lot of fantasy. There was a lot of story. There was a lot of hallucination around, oh, my God, we have to make this work. This is This is really what I'm here to do. And um, I was really part of a, I, I think I created a fairy tale around me that I am the third son, so, you know, in, in a way to, mm. to continue this journey. And this is what I'm supposed to do. And in my fantasy, there was um, a great connection with my dad. I saw him proud and happy and, you know, very yeah. uh, close to me. I, I think what I was driving foremost was if I'm successful in a company it I will earn the love of my father in a way that I can understand his love because I know that he loves me there's no right. question around that yeah so I, I felt I wanted to earn it in a way that I know how to feel it best so I really right. get it. right because that that through the through the business was a language that your dad understood and if you could somehow yeah. find find a bridge between you and him, which you were yeah. struggling so much to do, then you could have that connection and have that love. Totally. Um, I wanted to really, you know, meet him in, in his language of success mm-hmm. and be really successful in that. And I realized where the things where I'm good at, you know, where I bring people to the table, where I really figure out de- detective stories to really get to the core of the matter and then resolve it. The things which I partially did in the company, but it wasn't really the things that the focus of attention was on. So I found myself the things that I know I can do and I blossom, I'm really good at, they're not interesting yeah. for the frame I was in. And the other things that were expected of me, I'm not so very good at that. I'm not so great with looking at numbers and you know little you know specific details. So I just realized that we're looking at different agendas for what does success mean. Yeah. And uh, you know, my position. Eva, I was watching um, on the Satir Global, when you're a member with the Satir Global, in the members pages, there's resources. And one of the resources is an interview. The last video is an interview with Virginia Satir, and she talks about peace. And in yeah. that, she really breaks down the difference between what she calls the hierarchical model or the mechanical model as yeah. opposed to the seed model. Yeah. And as you're talking about your earlier experiences, the the picture that I'm having is 
that you are being invited into a mechanical model of how to do business, how to live, which is uh, there's dominance and submission, mm-hmm. and there's uh, there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, yeah. where the com- the communication is closed, you know, not open. You know, the yeah. person the person on at the highest part of the ladder is right, and you don't question that person's authority. Yeah. But your maybe your spirit or the your own your own core self which resonated so much with the values and expression with someone like Virginia Satir couldn't fit into that mold. And and maybe it was her seed model, the, this model of growth, this model of freedom yeah. that, that seems to, so I wonder if that, that separation or that distinction um, has any meaning for you. Oh, oh, so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right on. Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, I always felt, um, you know, that everybody who's working for a company um, has the same has the same value for the company. I, you know, I, I was not thinking in terms. I, I knew how to honor ranks. I knew how to honor, you know, this is a person above me. So if I want to make a decision, um, then I include them in the decision making process. I knew how to honor those, you know, the lines. But I highly believe that every person has the same value and that the, the people who are actually on the floor and to, to get the job done, this is where the sources of information and motivation and where we need to, you know, see validation. We need to let them know that they're doing something really important. So I was totally, um, my model of thinking was seed model. Right. It was, um, you know, kind of more of the, the idea of a circle rather than of different levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do find levels practical if you need to make a decision. Right. But I like to include all the voices that need to be heard um, in a company. And, yeah. and, and my sense of leadership style was always I want to create a space where people can really grow into their best potential. So my job is to create safety, to create trust. Um, and that's something that needs to be built over time that really takes a lot of time and a lot of little details that how you grow a relationship with little by little by little. It's not the big things. It's not the hundred roses at one event, but it's more, here's a little note. Here's a little feedback. Oh, I remember your birthday. I do remember it right. again. And, oh, I know that you have been in a hospital. How have you been? How are you doing now? How do you, yeah. how do you feel? Let's check in. So it's the continuation of nurturing relationships. Mm-hmm. That was really important to me. And seeing everybody has the same value. I may not like every behavior. I may not tolerate every behavior. I may not have the time to figure out what behavior we can change and how, and, you know. But so your initial... Um, one of your initial experiences was hearing hearing from I think her name was Judy about her experience with Virginia and this mother this mother Earth this hug this embrace. Um, what what else resonated for you in terms of Virginia's work and how did you start to then incorporate it in terms of your own personal and professional life? Yeah. Well, the, you know the next um, the next uh, the the other seed I had was um, that. Um, I, my, one of my teachers, um, Dr. Gunter Schmidt, who created the hypnosystemic approach, um, talked about Virginia and how he met her. They actually brought the whole 
um, systemic work to the Heidelberg um, School, and they were like the first in Germany bringing all the systemic work that that was coming from the United States in Germany. So it was kind of, exactly. and um, I um, could just feel the 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 kind of the sparkle and the um, the love and the connection when uh, when Gunther was talking about. Um, the Ericksonian approach, but also the, the systemic approach. So there was, I don't know, it was more on the indirect, you know, like more, how did people, how do I, I, I saw them sparkle. I saw him very soft and, and, and just in such a loving um, space that I resonated with that. Um, so there was, that, that was another seat for me. Okay, so let's let's, let's 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 um, let before we skip on to that, I think, really yeah. So I don't want to skip past that because I think it's an important point, and it's it's. I think it might be worth unpacking, Eva. The sparkle. It's like, see, I'm I'm imagining someone listening to that just being like, "Well, what the hell does that mean, right?" Yeah. But that's that. There's a sparkle. There's something you perceived that was nonverbal. Yeah. In how that th that he was speaking about, so. Let's try to be detectives together to understand that, because I think that's a very common experience for people who have had personal contact. Now, I never met Virginia. I don't th think you had a chance to meet Virginia directly, but that's that. There's some kind of spark that is passing now through generations of, yes. of therapists, of coaches, and things like this yes. that I think is worth unpacking, because it is kind of a mystery why. Well, one how her work is still resonating with so many people on such a deep level. I but the, the, the other part of it is how, you know, the later part of our conversation could be like, how can we share her work and share this sure. model even more? But what, so can just kind of unpacking that a little bit more, staying with, uh, what was his name? The, 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 right, with, with him, um, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to repeat that name, uh, but he, what, what was he talking about? What did what do you remember him saying? Um, I I didn't hear about much about the professional connection. It was much more just the the encounter of being in her presence, mm -hmm. and something that I heard not just from him but also Matthias in the Stephen Gilligan. So I you know I could just unpack this to other. So there is a common theme of something too, to do with her the, presence. Absolutely. I mean, I heard Stephen Gilligan, for example, saying he was, I guess he was presenting at an Ericksonian conference and he was doing, giving a demo on stage where he said, I could just feel something shifted in the room. There was this, you know, warm, gigantic presence all of a sudden. I couldn't even see it because it was facing my back, but I knew it was Virginia entering the room. And I got nervous because I felt that she was now there and 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 watching the demo so there's um i i heard repetitively from people her warmth her way of connecting her way of being and her her just really big presence um that was obviously lighting up the room mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and leaving a sense of connection with people you know beyond the time of their shared connection yeah, yeah, I think um, oh, the yeah, it's 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 not something that I think we'll, it was more the embodied presence than the 
you know, before the magic. I mean, obviously there's magic on how she was, you know, be developing her approach, but before that, I think it was really her presence. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think you could look, you could analyze the way that she worked from a technical perspective, and that's yeah. what people, the developers of NLP did. Um, and then there's what you're talking about now, which is so hard to talk about. You know how. I know. What is what is embodied presence? You know, those are words pointing at something. Um, yeah. And I think her use of sculpting, her her use of her body, her use of herself was something that was quite unique. And I, I wonder with that, um, how that has been maybe part of your life even before you knew about Virginia Satir, and then how maybe that connection to yourself or use of your body and use of your own uh, self, uh, how that's been for you in the work that you do. Yeah, I think you're pointing out something really, um, really important. Um, what I noticed very early on is that the, the use of the self is key. Um, I, I, I realized that um, from the very beginning, and it's not just, you know, when we talk about Virginia, but for example, when I see Gunter Schmidt teaching and, and coaching or doing therapy, his use of self is key in um, in the space and then he's technically I mean a master in what he does but what really has the healing quality is the the sense of how he holds himself in the conversation and um, to me I I kind of had a hunch it got it, there got to be something about the presence of her as a person that is so significant and so important and I, to me I feel she was embodying really her mission peace within peace between and peace among um so not just having these as beautiful mission words um as a sign but really what does it mean to really feel peace within myself and peace between the two of us that allows them to radiate out peace among and and to really live that breathe it and and walk it and so what does that mean to you, Eva? Peace it, with peace inside. And yeah. well, to me, it really brought me to I really want to um, unpack every part of myself. I really want to look at, you know, through every encounter I have with other people. I have a metaphor that everybody is a mirror of some aspect in me. So whoever of the universe has given me as a chance to to relate. Uh, I really want to take them as really, really good and clear mirrors of, t you know, something that I feel, yes, that's me too. I'm me and you, you, and we're different on one level, but on a spiritual level, you're me and I am you. And if it's difficult to, to kind of check what is it that's making it difficult and what is that piece that I can learn in that relationship right now because we have this beautiful connection right. and the universe gives me an opportunity to learn with through you a lot about myself. Um, so if I really want to dig into finding peace within myself, um, to me, um, the journey has become um, through the self-relations approach. That was one key, but also parts party ideas that um, I really want to bring light to all the seemingly shadow parts mm -hmm. so that I can grow into 
every day more fullness, more connectedness in my own beingness. So I don't project things out to somebody else as, as much anymore, but I really kind of own it myself. So to me, it means getting to know myself and the good and the bad and the ugly and <laughs> use the tools I learned so that myself can grow in beauty and, and really be nurtured. Mm. In a, in a peaceful and a helpful way. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's beautifully put, Eva. Um, the, the combination of not just being a detective or exploring external things or external relationships, but uh, exploring yourself, holding up that mirror, allowing people that you encounter to be a mirror, a reflective yeah. point for your own life. Yeah. Um, Virginia Satir uh, used to say a lot, you know, we connect through our sameness and we grow through our differences. Yeah. And in those areas of, you know, what I've been thinking about it at the level of differences, um, it could be very painful. And I think oh. the, the relationship that you described with your father, those differences were very probably very conflictual and painful. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then I've been thinking a lot about this idea of forgiveness and grace and how how important um, it is to get to that place. I mean, even if we're not able to get there at the level of our role or relationships, maybe the differences are too great that, you know, we can't sustain a professional connection yeah. or we can't sustain a professional, a personal relationship that forgiveness, at least in terms of how that frees up and expands our self understanding, our yeah. peace within our own heart, how important that is. And that's, that's sort of a, a bigger topic forgiveness, but um, forgiveness of course is I think very relevant to peace and the peace that you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I believe if you want to make peace with other people, it starts with making peace with your own self. Mm -hmm. And in order to be able to do that, I have to become aware, I have to become conscious um, that there are parts that I have made peace with yet. You know, I think it's also the willingness to dig in deep and to to bring up, to, to let bubble up um, the parts that I may have neglected, I may have put aside, I have may put, you know, down to the basement, and I'm maybe sitting on them and not even realizing that those are parts I haven't made friends with yet. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm really, really using the work first, I guess, to allow things to bubble up. And I, I, I believe personal relationships um, are the best way to to allow those you know the, those triggers to happen to to bubble up you know what are the parts that I am not really looking at myself yet and, can you can you describe uh, what you mean by parts? Well, when I talk about parts, um, I'm always a little bit I guess um, conflicted about the term. Gundishwit actually use a side. There's a side of me that, um, you know, wants to look perfect and the professional self. And there's a, there's a side of me that just likes to be, you know, at ease and relaxed and just right. enjoy myself. Um, so when I, when I talk about that, I talk about different aspects in me. Um, and I, I mean, I could bring it to core feelings, you know, anger, fear, happiness or joy. And um, what's the fourth one? What's the fourth category? Sadness. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar like with that. Primary, <laughs> primary okay. emotions. I'm like, what is sadness again? Yeah. I could bring it all down to core feelings. Right. Those are aspects. 
and, and then they can have many faces, right? Happiness can look, you know, many different ways. Um, my, my fear can look many different ways. And then that becomes characteristics that become, can come, become resources. So for me, parts are the many aspects, the many energies that we feel inside of ourselves, and that they take on um, different embodied uh, versions of ourselves. So it could be ego state, you know, that could be another way of putting it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What was the part, if, if you don't mind going, kind of using yourself as an example, can you, like in that period of crisis or of figuring out where you fit in the company or how it wasn't working, what was the part that you were grappling with at that point in your life? Maybe that, that as an example, it can might better ex uh, yeah. explain parts. Um, so what happened was there was a part of me that was professional and on the, on the far, so I was the HR uh, director, I was the marketing director for our company. Um, and so I was performing to our towards our um, clients and you know in our client projects I was performing there and I was also um, performing in the interaction with um, you know most of the um, employees that I engaged with um, then I was very much in connection even though the, this was happening in the forefront but inside I was was very much in connection there is a part of me that feels absolutely empty and sad mm -hmm. i couldn't even i couldn't even totally name it right um so so the the professional role the professional role was what was conscious the yeah. the sadness what was was in the shadows was more in the unconscious yeah, more in the shadows it was um uh, it was also m much more on the body level. It was mm -hmm. it was so big. It was such an uh, you know intense feeling that I was not even able to put it in language at the very beginning. It was just a lot of feelings, a lot of physical um, you know connections. Right. And, but I was, I think it was for a long time in 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 connection with a professional self that I put to the outside and I put my professional head on. And then on the inside, there was um, a lot of mixed feelings that I couldn't totally fully make sense at, mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. So with, with the benefit of hindsight, um, what, was, what do you think the yearning was that was connected to that sadness? Um, to be understood. Okay. Big yearning was about having a voice and to be really fully understood um in in my in in my deepest sense of self okay and, like to be and, seen and understood yeah. and it was even even more so about having a space i felt like i did not really claim and really have a space mm -hmm. i have a space right it sounds like that sadness was very much connected to yourself and it was yeah. it was a loyalty of i need a space for myself my, yeah. my capital S self to emerge and to express itself into the yeah. world. Very much. I, you know, I could, um, you know, we could also think about, um, I learned about a self uh, model that's um, a, a triangle idea where you have the perfect self. Uh, I learned through Ben and Jock, who are the founders of the Haven Institute in Canada about this model, which I really like. 
And so they say there's a perfect self where I project out this is who I want to become. And this right. is, you know. then there's the authentic self. And then there's your um, then there's your actual self or could be your performance self. And mm -hmm. so if I take my own situation, I had designed this perfect self that was obviously pretty far away from my authentic self. And then my actual self was running to chase this perfect self and walking, and both of them were kind of walking away from the, um, from the authentic self. Mm -hmm. As I found myself very, very far away from my authentic self, that was yeah. the decision point where I said, I need to find myself someplace else. I needed to lose myself in order to find myself. Yeah, so I mean... It's, it's from from all from within your own life experience and and what you've learned do you think there's any way around that like that that tension that we feel when we move away from the self that actually becomes like a an energy that snaps us forward maybe to to then pursue the expression yeah. and the connection to the authentic self yeah I, I would say this is a pretty universal way of, yeah. of, of growing and of understanding and differentiating between um, the meeting other people's expectation and, and the moving towards the perfect self. And does that match the authentic self or does it go away yeah. from it? Um, I think we need to lose. We need to, to kind of fall into crisis in order to come back on track and align ourselves. Yeah. To me, it's a, it's, it's part of maturity. It's part of, um, yeah, the differentiation between other, other people's dreams and your own dreams mm -hmm. and, and the outside and the inside and, and bringing the two of them together. I don't think you, you it's either or. To me, it's more there is a way of how can you harmonize it in the best meta balance that may not be, you know, all fully one, but there, there may be a meta balance. Yeah. Yeah. Two together, and to me, it does need the falling out of the paradigm in order to right. really re re-navigate yourself with a more um, inside-out reference experience to what it means to go back to paradise. Yeah. Yeah. What What I like about this is it it really helps normalize the the, the universal nature of negative experience of negative oh, emotions. Yeah. Right. It just it just kind of makes it so OK. And I, hopefully, you know, I think at this moment in time, uh, because we're not in the midst of chaos, we, we don't have to be bitter and resentful about the negative, painful suffering of life. But I think I think, yeah, it's much harder when you're in it. But yeah. I think to have that attitude and I think as guides or as co in, in your case with coaching, in, in my case with therapy or whatever kind of process we're engaged in. It's having a faith that the overall archetypal map or the the process is, you know, like I, I think about childbirth. It's like yes. that that you're you're going to such a place of unknown and yes. maybe the birth of the self is is, you know, metaphorically similar to that. It's like it's emerging, yes. but sometimes you have to go into these really you, you have to go into these dark places in order to emerge and you're that friction with life and that tension between yes. what is not authentic with what is that's yeah. where that th that's the growth of it that's the growth of your yourself 
Yeah, you know, I think you're totally right. I mean, I would definitely echo back and say yes. Um, I actually call those kind of the kisses of awakening. <laughs> That's it's, nice. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the universe uh, saying, hey, we have a really big plan for you. We're going to kiss you away and, and, and just let you know something you're doing here is not working quite right. Mm -hmm. And what would be the best language that um, is transmitting this really important message so that you get it, you understand it. I know for me, I have a physical language. So when the universe needs to kiss me awake, I go through the body. Right. This is my strongest um, you know, weakness and also my strongest resource is both. Like, you right. know, this is where I draw my resources. But when the, the shit hits the fan, I really get get into a bad physical crisis, so it mm. really becomes painful. So it's, right. it's both for me. It's my my greatest resource, but it's also my greatest area of pain that have been has been a long lifelong, um, you know, painful discovery. Yeah. But this is the way how I get kissed awake. And um, so for me, it's kind of a, a, a kiss. I, I, I love that phrase, kissed away. And it reminds me of that image that you've implanted in my head of Virginia sits here giving your friend that big hug. Because I think a lot of her message was, in order to move through that hero's journey, you need a lot of support. You need a lot oh, of nurturing. You do. And, that's, and her emphasis on the relationship, you know, bared itself out decades later in research that emphasized that the therapeutic relationship is the most essential yes. ingredient to healing and with growth. So, yeah. um, so to, to have I spaces like that. I actually, I actually usually, um, introduce the idea of a circle of love or circle of support, um, that are not just, um, you know, people that you think about that have inspired you, but really physical people that are there that can give you a hand that, are, you know, that are close by that can hold you in the moments where you really don't mm. feel, um, you know, good about yourself and where you just kind of need to um, have a bad hair day and it's still okay. Right. Um, you know, I think I, I, I like both. I like to have my mentors, my teachers, my awakeners, my inspiration. But they may sometimes be very far away. But then you need your community of um, physical people close by around you that can really give you a hand and say, it's okay, I've been through this in my own way. Mm -hmm. I don't know what specifically you're experiencing or what specifically your story is. But, you know, the general hurt you're going through, I, I, I have had those challenges myself. And I'm right. here to hold a space for you. I'm here to, to hug you. Yeah. Hugging is the best medicine at those points anyways. <laughs> yeah. I think I think while we can't avoid those kisses from the universe, I think is if we get into um a place where we're more and more willing to trust the yeah. that process and to trust um such painful experiences as as actually being some kind of a gift from the universe, say, then yeah then I think that cycle, maybe it shortens or maybe not, but it at least our attitude throughout the painful experiences is different. And I think that gives us, gives a, a greater resilience to, to really, to really uh, get the most out of uh, an experience and get the most out of life. Um, 
Absolutely. I, I have to admit, I was in the peak of my pain experience, where then later on, I learned about the change process from Virginia Satir, and then hearing, oh, chaos um, is part of the, you know, change and growth process. Yeah, yeah. And then I learned about the format of a hero's journey, where you're, you're meeting, you're, you're crossing a threshold, you're going into the unknown, and you're meeting the demons. And, and that's part mm -hmm. of the journey. And, but the demons are also, um, at a similar time, you also find your mentors, people, teachers, people that support you and that help you to really transform um, into some new resources that are be growing into you becoming your own. Um, I got all these understandings after I was through my, the biggest dip of my hero's journey, through the valley. Right. Um, and then I thought, oh my God, I wish somebody had told me before <laughs> that, in, you know, in the middle of it, this would have been a nice piece of information. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, like, I wish someone gave me a map before I went on this exactly. journey. Exactly. How yeah. about, yeah, how about that map? But, you know, you go through the big one and, and, and that, that was probably one of the really, really big crisis points in my life. But the next one is just around the corner once you, you know, once you successfully, um, yeah. you know, took a nice picture on the status quo that's new and you're like, oh, okay, that's better now. I usually say to my clients, turn around, look at the journey, honor the journey and say, wow, that was amazing. Take a nice picture so you enjoy the view because once you continue, then probably the next new element comes and the next crisis point appears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, w I, I would say this was a gift for me that allowed me to really dig in and say, who do I want to become and what is the gift that I really want to share and how can I heal my wound so that my wound can be in service of the gift and, and really um, mm. become an authentic messenger for this work. Because I believe if you haven't been wounded you can't be a really authentic and, and good messenger for the work if you want to help people move through really, really difficult times. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for my wounds. I'm grateful for um, having, you know, the Buddhists say your heart is meant to break open. So I guess my heart was broken and I broke open to take um, the learnings and be in service for others too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm still curious in terms of the question of what impact Virginia Satir has had on your life, uh, yeah. personally and professionally. So maybe we could focus on that now. Sure. Um, what happened for me, I was, um, the first time I came to a Satir community connection was yeah. uh, one of the annual meetings and Sharon Notion was. Um, the person greeting me at the door, and that was the very first um, meeting I went to, Sh Sharon hugged me, and I felt like <laughs> hugging Virginia Satir, I swear to God. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I can tell it's not Virginia, and I know it's not her, but somehow I feel Sharon and Virginia are hugging me together. This was kind of the first body sensation that I had. I entered the meeting and, and I just loved the love, the nurturing and the connection that I, that was just filled in the room. Mm. And, and I just, 
and I actually took a friend of me from me uh, with me and I said I'm going to this meeting I'm really nervous this is a new community I don't know these people can you come with me and people were so curious about our friendship and our connection that um, you know we got so much curiosity there's so much openness you know I felt connected and and being engaged with people there throughout the whole time how did you feel in your body what do you remember happening inside of you physiologically I felt warm, I, I felt vibrant and alive, I felt happy, I felt light, you know, I really yeah. felt light, it wasn't a professional meeting, I felt like I could strip away my mask and I could just be myself in it, yeah. Yeah. and it was friends meeting friends and having, um, you know, some shared uh, experiences. This is when I did the enriching program. The, 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 right. it was, the whole thing was conducted through the enriching program. And so we were, it was actually guided by all these different steps. Uh, but it didn't feel like I was doing a workshop. It was much more feeling like here's a lovely community meeting. Mm-hmm. And I just feel warm and fuzzy and, and light. Yeah. And I remembering, I remembering what you said earlier, Eva, when it was um, when you were when you were feeling in that place of crisis, that the sadness and that the yearning was for um, to be understood and seen, and I, I can't help but think of that moment. And then you're in this moment, and there's a space of love and connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did that yearning come up in that moment? And like, was that was that something that was nurtured? That that deep sort of connection of, of a space for the self. Not that, I mean, not conscious. I can't yeah. say it was any conscious, but um, I I just knew in my whole body that this is a good space to be in, and I would not want to do any anything else right now in this moment. This is exactly mm-hmm. where I was supposed yeah. to be, and exactly something to continue to to go to in yeah. different times. And, so you um, felt congruent in that moment. Yeah. Like your inside and your outside matched. Yeah. I was a match. Um, this is the right space. These are the right people. This is the right thing for me to do. I'm in the right space. And I, I felt reconnected to my intuition, my inner wisdom voice. I felt like your voice took you there. You were very yeah. congruent and saying, hey, I heard you have an annual meeting. Can I come? Um, and I think they were fully booked or something, but there was a way for me to, to talk me into it. So there was a way right. I wanted to be there. I, I made sure I was there and things were just falling into place. And then right. I sat there and I said, now I know why, because my voice was taking me there and it, it totally makes sense. Could you describe, the? because you shared this with me before, when you first walked into a room, your initial impressions and the, you talked about the, the wisdom and sort of the unassumingness of, of this group of, of yeah. people? Yeah. yeah. It was really funny. It was, it was like, okay, I'm here at the satir meeting, and I found, like, you know, there was a lot of these beautiful women that were, like, knitting or crocheting or, you know, doing, doing different yeah. handcrafts things. And 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 then, um, so the, this, I don't know, it was almost like, like a grandmother's mother's type of meeting. I mean, there were men there too. It, it was a lot of women, but mainly women, but also mixed. I was also mm-hmm. men. 
but just the whole energy was very motherly, very nurturing and very, um, oh, let's share coffee together or something like that. Yeah. And, and then I was at, at awe about um, the, the warmth in the words, but also the, the wisdom that came from each person you know, sharing dif different experiences. So I was very mm -hmm. impressed by yeah. the, um, I guess, the professionalism, um, the skill sets that were held and embodied, and 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 in a in a way where it was I don't I don't need to you know shower you with my expertise. Right. Right. It was right. embodied. It was held in in the right moment. Shared. Um, so there's such a humbleness mm, mm -hmm. with wisdom and, and such a um, down-to-earth, matter-of-fact, you know, I have this, I, I, I know what I know, but like I don't a Like a quiet confidence. Uh, yes, it was a very a quiet yeah. confidence, very humble authority. Um, I would, yeah, I would probably yeah. put the word. You know, the, the image that's coming to me is the... Um, movie star wars yeah uh the when luke skywalker first meets yoda he goes into this like swamp and he yeah. goes to this random place and there's this little green creature who's like i don't know 500 years old yeah. and um there's a humbleness a meekness to his appearance yeah. but there's a tremendous amount of strength and wisdom and that's how i i experience a lot of the people like sharon lotion oh, and a lot of people in in this uh, community from the satir world where there's this like untapped source of um, wisdom of elders yeah. of a, of, a, yeah. of a generation that was connected to virginia satir that i'm very passionate about connecting to and then also trying to bridge that to to the the other the larger world the expanse of that so yeah, yeah. I really felt like, oh my God, there's so much uh, knowledge. There's so yeah. much um, experience, expertise, and so much wisdom that comes from the lived, embodied wisdom, but also then from the knowledge, from the learning, from the teaching, and really digging into um, the details and having done the homework for many, many years and really understood um, the concepts um, and, and, and held in a in a very humble and very um not showing off at all you know because mm -hmm. um, you know i i started marketing um way back when and 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 so people i encounter a lot of times were really like oh this is me look at this and this is what i accomplished and you know this yeah. is what i felt so but the the way they embodied it was so much more there's so much love for virginia and um and her work and and that she really had figured it out i mean it's such a holistic for me figured out um systemic approach that really gives you simple understandable tools to make sense of the complexity of you as a human being mm. in the mm. most simple understandable way um i mean that in itself is, is crazy magic to me yeah put into simple words and simple tools and models something that seems to be undescribable yeah uh, but it's possible yeah and, 
and yeah and and i i found all the people that i encountered in the network really were able to grab that and really understand it and and hold that on knowledge and wisdom in themselves yeah i'm wondering if we can talk about uh, virginia's uh, satir's work in the context of modern um psychotherapy or other models of practice what if anything she still has to offer um and you know obviously as as people that are studying her work to this day we were were by a sample but um could you speak to to that like what what resonates for you still you know you've been studying virginia's work for for i don't know how many years uh, now but um what what is unique what is 25 yeah, yeah what what's unique about it and um what you know for people listening that are curious what benefit to their lives would they have of studying virginia's work that is distinct from other things that are out there well you know i feel i mean it, it all starts with humanistic approach right i think the the core is every person uh, is is as beautiful and magical and 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 and, and good in its core and this is where we begin and then um, a lot of the things that we we see um, in action are, are learned behaviors and um, to me Virginia really um, has figured out in her model to, to conceptualize and to describe um, how we become who we have become today and, and right. how, you know, how we put things in action, how that's related to learn. Um, a lot of times learned in our first faculty of, of learning, which is uh, the original triad, ma, pa, and child. And, and, and by, right. modeling, by modeling them and taking on and meaning making out of a very distorted perspective. I think that was, to me, genius um, to understand that, that she had this idea that out of this very distorted perspective, me little and looking up to these people, most of the things that are um, having meaning or are set in beliefs and are really active in us today are coming from the times where things were out of proportion and, and, and you know, creating... Um, uh, a tool like the family reconstruction where you can update old pictures into some new picture. Um, can I can I stick with your point about things being out of proportion? Can you say a little bit more about that? Because I think that, that you're making an important point there. When you pick up things and learn things as a kid, you take it and what did you mean by out of proportion? What I mean is it's just a simple physical fact. When I am little and, and big people are in charge of me, grown up, yeah. My perspective is looking up, um, you know, through many moments, through many years. And so every, every facial expression um, is out of perspective. I'm looking up, so your face um, may look very angry, um, right. but just having a straight face, and you're very focused and concentrated, or maybe you're meditating or something like that. Right. So and when we changing, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about those, you know, funny mirrors, you know, have, yeah, you know, that, yeah, yeah, distorted, distorted it reflection. So yeah. When we grow up, we're actually looking in funny, funny mirrors. Maybe that's why we like the fun houses so much. I have no idea. Maybe there's an intuitive <laughs> self that says, "Oh my God, okay, let's let's look at those mirrors again." But it feels like we're we're looking into these funny house mirrors where everything becomes, you know, big. 
um, because I look up and and so I, facial expressions are um, different than than what they really mean. I just see a limited piece of the picture because you know when mm -hmm. I'm small I I can't change positions the whole time. Yeah. One of the things that she would do was she would put kids up on chairs or right. if if it just so happened that the wife was shorter than the husband, she would put them up on a stool so they could see eye to eye. Yeah. And I think it illustrates or it's an example of where there's less distortion because you're seeing at this, the eye to eye level. Absolutely. And, and I think this embodied, uh, the physical embodiment or the awareness of bodies in her practice was something very unique because she would go out of her way to make sure that she was um, allowing the people that she was working with to experience what it means to be equal of value. Yeah. And, um, and, then, and then I think, you know, in connection to other models, I think one of the limitations is, you know, the, the thing that you're describing of there's something to do with her presence, there's something that she would do in how she would con make connection with you through her eyes or through a hug mm -hmm. that... Sometimes with other models, there's such an emphasis on either technique or languaging things yeah. that there's not a, as much an emphasis on the body. There's yeah. not as much emphasis on training awareness of your own body yeah. that these are things, touch, uh, connection to your own physiology right. that is, I don't think is emphasized enough in, in other models and in training. And I think this kind of thing needs to be highlighted, which is... Uh, what is unique about Virginia's work, um, that the use of self, the, the awareness of your own uh, use of your senses or your own inner uh, physiological um, sensations. Yeah. Um, so. I agree with you. I think it's very unique that um, she was, um, you know, uh, creating these body pictures with people you're putting them in communication yeah. stances in in order to have a conversation about what's what's happening on the inside how do you how do you feel you know what's what's happening when you when you're in this picture to get the information quickly um to the table of of what was not talked about in in, right. a, in a family and I find that absolutely brilliant. And it's also, it's, you know, I mean, this body holds so much history. This body holds so much wisdom and, 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 and stories, you know, like my whole culture runs through my body. Mm -hmm. It's not just my body, but there's so much information from generations before and my culture and my history that moves through this. And the, the beautiful thing about the body is the body is now. The mind can go many places. The mind can go to the future. It can go to the past. Right. It can be very distracting. But if I have a full body connection in the space, then I tap into resources that are now. And it, it, it's, to me, such a quick way of activating information, but also activating resources. And it's, um, it's a big attractor for me um, to change pattern really quickly. I mean, I, in my practice, use the body as one of the main tools for intervention um, mm -hmm. because I'm very aware of that. Um, I'm very physical, as I told you. Um, gifts and, and pain move through my body. So I know how to dissociate from my body. I know that really well. But I also know what it means to return home Right. 
beautiful instrument that holds so much mm -hmm. wisdom and the language before language because a lot of the things that are coded in us don't have words yet so in order to ripen um, the right proper words to name it and claim it in the for the social community in the right way um, sometimes I may need to have it move through my body uh, a little bit um, until the words that are really proper come to me. Right. Yeah. So that that might be like a movement practice or dance or some some other kind of practices of the body that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree that it's such a pioneer idea to 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 be so physical to 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 use the body so so intensely in in, in Virginia's practice. Um, I think too her understanding that phenomena are part of a um, systemic conversation that it's you know the problem is the symptom is not only in me. I may be carrying a symptom. I may be the identified patient. But holding this has a lot to do maybe with integrity and loyalty issues and, you know, many interactions between significant others that are of importance of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not so, treating a symptom um, and trying to, you know, get the cause, but, but really finding the larger space and where this is taking place. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think in terms of the family therapy concept of, symptoms happening within symptoms oftentimes playing a a balancing or a homeostasis role in within the family context um, is not emphasized enough and because the mechanical model would go after the symptom and say how can we reduce the symptom as the source um, yes. we can reduce the symptom then we've dealt with the issue say um, but i think taking the broader view of how is that physical symptom, a like for example, when you talked about the different physical manifestations, it was you in relationship to your life, in relationship to your father, in relationship to the business, all of these various uh, levels of, of analysis were going on. But if you just focused on, okay, how can, what, what medication to take? Yeah. That's part of that. That's, that's part of it, but maybe, but it's, it's not the whole and to, to account for the different levels is important. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you maybe one last question around your own personal mission as it relates to um, and work related to the future direction of Virginia Satir's work, what your hope is, um, what you're doing as it relates to that hope. Um, could you speak to that? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I believe that we're so social creatures, we're social beings, um, so we need each other. Um, and moving forward and a lot of the mess has created in our social interactions so I believe strongly that a very systemic relationship oriented approach is especially in the new you know like you know digitalization you know we're using we're looking at phones all the time so um, for me coming back to the juice of relationship and and to how the, the problems in relationships get created and have that as a focus of attention is to me key. Um, I'm really happy mm. to know that in modern neuroscience, like from, for example, from Daniel Siegel, it's emphasized now that when we talk about a, a mind, that we, we talk about the brain, the embodied mind and relationship as the areas to focus right. attention. So neuroscience today, to me, is supporting 
the relationship focus and and sort of the um, it gives me hope that Virginia's um, approach that Virginia wisdom which to me was very pioneered may have been uh, there a little bit too early she, I think she was very much before her time but there's so much new areas um, that are coming and giving more uh, you know data and understanding that hopefully um, we can bring a new fresh awareness to the beauty and the um, the possibilities um, to really live the freedoms not just talk about the five freedoms but really live them in your yeah. daily life yeah. and in your relationship to me my hope is I want to help the business world the, the personal world um, the different people that I encounter in my encounter in my professional and personal life to help them really live the five freedoms, not to put it on a poster on the wall and love them, but really live them. And, and can you say what the five freedoms are? Uh, would you go through them? Five freedoms are um, to be free to see and hear what's going on, um, to really feel what you feel in a moment in time to feel really free to speak about what you see, hear, and feel, to share yeah. it. Yeah. Freedom to ask for what you want and for what you need. And the freedom to take risk in your own behalf, to really step into your own new territory right. if you're calling and, and, and rock the boat and not be safe and secure. Yeah. So basically, to use your senses and use them all, to use your feelings to really share your wisdom, to, to bring it in connection mm -hmm. and to allow to ask that you have wants and needs and you can ask them in yeah. and take risks. And yeah. I feel my mission is to help people to do that in a peaceful way so that we do it in a systemic way where I honor somebody else has the same freedom. So we need to find a way how we can balance that in a systemic way. Mm. Not me, 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 my freedoms, but you know, what's the systemic um, living right. freedoms in a systemic, healthy way as a community, as a family. And, um, and really create awareness around the, the, the depth of the work and how helpful it is in everyday's activities and our core yeah. relationships in relationship to ourselves. Yeah. You know, when you, when you were talking about Daniel Siegel's work and um, his inclusion of relationships as being part of it, you know, the, this podcast is called the Self-Connection Podcast. And the word connection is, is so important because those five freedoms, those five freedoms are intentions, energies, actions, um, resources that we can put inside in our relationship with ourselves. So to the freedom to feel, okay, what is going on inside of me? The right. freedom then to put that out in the space between you and I, to speak that out into the space. Yeah. And so it's the, the kind of energies or intentions and actions that have implications for the space within and the space between yes. that I think sometimes when we overemphasize the form of things of, you know, what should have happened or right. what's what happened in, you know, the, the events that have happened in the past right. or the f form of a particular behavior. When we overemphasize, let's say, defiant behavior from a child, when it's so much on a particular form, I think we forget that we're we're 
we're alive. So then we're an ongoing process. Yeah. We're not a specific event. We're not fixed. Oh, and yeah. I was thinking about this in terms of every day I look at my son, who's only two and a half, and he looks different every day. Right. And then I realized, I think probably I look different every day. You know, in some, like a few more wrinkles, a few more gray hairs, right, a few right. more pounds. And so yeah. it, it just um, uh, validates for me that I'm dying <laughs> and, and that that I'm an ongoing process, right? There's life kind of going through. And um, and, and I think that's what uh, Virginia has helped me understand. And I think through our conversation, yeah. I'm really feeling that, that there's a, there's a, there's a, we're processes, we're not objects, we're not things. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah I totally think about the house and about the work in progress. You know, there, I'm, I, I, yeah, there's a continuation. Uh, uh, it's a continuation of unfolding, of understanding, of creating more awareness, of being more conscious. You know, I, I hope that till the day I die, I unpack more and more um, things about myself. So I hope my wisdom comes from staying continuously curious about myself and and surprising myself about myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I think that's where 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 wisdom comes in when you really are surprised about yourself like oh my god there's you know there is a new element there is something that i haven't really known about myself but mm. allow no matter what color that has um to to really unpack it and unfold it and say okay that's part of the conversation too yeah yeah and the same true for everybody else i encounter so that we become you know, bigger over time. And, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, so one, I, I usually like to, to ask people that I'm, I'm speaking to if they can, if we can take a moment to just kind of ground in our bodies and to get a sense of how this conversation has been, because um, we've been talking for some time now, wow, and yeah. to just feel, feel what it's like to be uh, slowing down a little bit to let go of words for a moment and to just share with each other what's feeling alive in each of us, whether it's a feeling or an image or a physical sensation. Um, so yeah, let's both take a moment to do that. And, um, so do you have something that you'd like to share? Well, I feel a lot of gratitude um, for you for opening this um, conversation. Um, and I feel so much gratitude for Virginia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Courageous, courageous um, path that she went. She was truly a leader. Um, and it allowed me to feel gratitude for my own journey. Yeah. Um, right. So I want to say thank you for allowing me to. Um, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like, um, a lot of like vibration in my body and I don't know if it's because of the, the latte I had a moment ago, but I think it's, it was long enough, uh, long enough ago that I can attribute it to, um, this unpacking and exploration with you. And what I want to appreciate in you is your curiosity, your courage, uh, to, to go into those dark places and to, to cultivate the wisdom that you've um, developed to explore mm -hmm. um, people and to learn and to be humbled to learn from so many different people 
um, you've been you've been on an adventure and continue to be on an adventure. And I'm I'm so appreciative that our paths have crossed because I think that there's uh, probably lots of, uh, of of places for us to grow together yeah. and to share together. So um, so I want to thank you for taking the time. Yeah. And um, so why don't we say goodbye to everyone that on the interwebs. So uh, that's it for today. Right. And uh, we'll see you, everyone next time. So. Thank you.